Last spring, uh, my wife and I had the wonderful experience of going to Europe for a three-month concert trip through England, Holland, and Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Germany. Now, the purpose of this trip was to give a series of concerts and broadcasts, partly for the State Department, and uh, I played a lot of American music, which was new, of course, to American audiences, music of Riga, Donato, Sowerby, Walter Piston, and other contemporary composers. Perhaps the greatest privilege of all was to play the wonderful organs in these noble buildings of Europe, in the cathedrals, the concert halls, and the different churches. These organs themselves are, are unique. We have nothing like them over here, of course. We don't go back as many hundreds of years. And uh, when you play the great classics of the organ repertoire, Bach, Buxtehude, Svelink, Purcell, and so on, on these organs, you really feel you hear the music for the first time. Our trip opened in Westminster Abbey in London. Of course, everyone knows this building by pictures, perhaps, or by descriptions. It's a magnificent place going back a thousand years, the center of English history, where the coronation took place recently. And uh, what a rare privilege it is to play on the very organ, in the very gallery, where the music for that event was given. And in 1685 or thereabouts, Henry Purcell was organist at Westminster Abbey. So, appropriately, I played some music of Henry Purcell. And at this point, I ought to mention that perhaps the most wonderful thing of all was to be able to bring back the sounds of these organs, of these buildings, to bring back this music to America by means of recordings which are being issued on Columbia Records. In fact, the uh, result of our efforts perhaps might be called the art of the organ because it summarizes the organ sonorities of 500 years and more. And in a way, it's... Uh, a chronicle, a portfolio, if you like, of the great classic masters of Europe, Bach, Buxtehude, and so on, played on the great organs of Europe. Now, in Westminster Abbey, uh, I played first the Purcell fanfare on the full organ, on the trumpet stops, which perhaps were heard around the world in the coronation music, and then on the very stops that Purcell himself actually played in 1685. So you hear this music, this personal fanfare, exactly as the composer originally heard it. Then we went over to Holland, uh, and uh, just, if you like, as the pilgrims did before they sailed in 1620 in the Mayflower, and the church in which they gathered and worshipped before they embarked in 1620 was Peter's Kirk in Leiden. And I had the privilege of playing in Leiden and of recording there in the very church where the pilgrims were and on an organ that dates back to 1639, just when the Plymouth, Massachusetts colony was 19 years old. And you hear this organ in Zvelink's Valletto del Granduca variations. Naturally, in Holland, we played Swaling's music, and we actually recorded in the church where Swaling was, the oldest church in Amsterdam, the oldest building in Amsterdam, in fact, the Ouderkirk. And uh, 
what an experience it is to go up the stone staircase that Swaling walked up, the steep staircase with just a rope on the side for support, to the organ gallery where Swaling played and to play his music. As a matter of fact, we'll never forget our sight of Holland from the air because we went there at the height of the tulip season and the place is just a checkerboard of vivid colors uh, interlaced with canals and I think one might say that something of the color and splendor of this countryside is in the music and it's in the Dutch organs which are simply magnificent in their sonority.
Then we went on to Germany, to Heidelberg, Nuremberg, Lübeck, Hamburg, and other towns. In Lübeck, the organ goes back to before the year 1500. Buxtehude must have played it. Bach must have played it. Bach, you remember, walked to Lübeck from Hamburg to listen to Buxtehude. And on this Columbia record, you hear the full round majesty of a simply wonderful organ in Weingarten and other organs at Steinkirchen and Neuenfelder by the famous early organ builder Arp Schnitger. Organs that Bach must have played because Bach was right around that section when he was a young man of 20. Uh, after that we went north to Denmark and here we were given uh, really a royal welcome right in the royal palace of Fredericksburg where there is perhaps the most famous organ in the world historically. The organ built by Compenius in 1610. Here this organ stands in the auditorium in the royal palace uh, surrounded by shields commemorating honors given to Franklin Roosevelt and uh, Prime Minister Churchill, and you play this organ of 1610 exactly as it was in that year. It hasn't been touched since then. The pipes are exactly as they were, the action is just the same, even the tuning is still in untempered scale. And you hear it on the record exactly as it was heard in the year it was built. This is to introduce Mr. Jens Laumann, the organist here at Fredericksburg Castle, and also Mr. Frobenius, the noted organ builder. Uh, Mr. Laumann, I wonder if you would like to say just one or two comments on this wonderful organ here. Could you translate that, Frobenius? Uh, if Mr. Laumann would just say it in Danish. I will try to do it. <laughs> I know, but just in Danish would be fine. First of all, I want to thank Mr. Laumann so much for allowing us to come here this morning. This has been a great privilege, and we appreciate it enormously. And here is Mr. Laumann. Hallet er bygget i 1610 af Esaias Compenius i Brunsvig og er en gave til den danske konge, Christian den 4. Det har stået i Slotskirken i mange år, blev stillet op sidste gang i 1866. Året er helt originalt, der er ikke fornyet noget i det, og det er således det ældste år i verden, der spiller uden at være restaureret. Aarhus bygger firmaet Frobenius i Lyngby, har tilsynet med dette vidunderlige instrument, som bliver hørt af mange kapaciteter, sidst nu i dag et velkommen besøg fra Amerika. Thank you very much, Mr. Frobenius. I'll try to translate some of it. The organ is built by Isaias Compenius in 1610 and was given to the Danish king and 
Esaias Compinius himself has been here and put it up. The organ, the organ has stand here very long time. In some years it has been away from here and has stand in Frederiksberg Castle in Copenhagen. And just after it come away from here, the castle here burned. When was that? In, in what year? Yeah. Yeah. In 1859. Oh, yes. And after the restoring of the castle here, it came back. Yes. Rollet har været brugt i riddersalen til dansebrug. The organ has been used in the in the knights hall oh, to, yes. to, as an instrument for dance to dance. And it is completely original. It has never been restored or changed. Nor yeah. has it been tuned in equal tempo, has it? No. No. <laughs> it is in its original tuning. If uh, John Sebastian Bach were to come here, he would uh, immediately want to change, uh, tune it in equal temper. Michael Pretorius has played here. He played here. Yeah, yeah, oh yes. Um, Michael Pretorius, he has played here. Really, Michael yes. Pretorius himself. Yes. And he mentions it in his treatise on yes, uh, yes. yes. book. Do you suppose books to hear would ever play this organ? Who knows? He can have done. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's very likely. Yes. Ah. Yes. What a magnificent hall this is in which the organ stands. Yes. With the order of the elephant. Is that correct? Yes. All these shields. Yes. Well, I think you have been most kind. Now. <coughs>
Eton, too, has a, a wonderful instrument of rare distinction in the royal palace, built by Carmen in the early 1700s. And then there's another in a little church of Lutstrabrook, and a new organ by Markerson in Stockholm. If it's exciting to visit Holland and to play in the church where the pilgrims were, it's equally dramatic to go to Trondheim in Norway, where Leif Erikson and the Norsemen embarked a thousand years ago to push to Iceland and to Greenland and even to America. And in Trondheim, there is the superb Cathedral of St. Olaf, the most northerly Gothic building in the world. And here we recorded music of Buxtehude, and I think Perhaps this cathedral has the most spacious of sonorities of any. After all this journeying around Europe, we returned again to England, this time not to play in a historic building, such as Westminster Abbey, but in the Royal Festival Hall, which is only just a little over a year old. And on an organ that is not even a year old, the interesting thing about this organ in the Royal Festival Hall is that it's modeled on the European examples of the past few centuries. It's a, it's a magnificent auditorium. The organ is particularly magnificent, and it has a, a wonderful bass note, 32 foot, which I think you will hear with a kettle drum-like clatter in this Toccata of Bach, the famous D minor Toccata of Bach.
The wonderful thing about all these European organs is that they're all different. They really are like people. There are no two alike. But they all have one thing in common, and perhaps one might describe that characteristic as a, a sort of eloquence, as a distinctness of speech. There's a, a clarity of articulation and a mellowness of tone that we simply rarely have nowadays in our instruments. Because these older builders were artists, craftsmen in the best sense. They, they had certain techniques that perhaps we have lost, although we are regaining them. They had certain techniques of cutting the pipes. And the music has a wonderful clarity when you add the distinctness of speech of these organs to the resonance and the halo that these buildings afford, the result is really magnificent. These records, of course, would have been impossible just a few years ago. Uh, without modern high-fidelity recording equipment, and, of course, without reproducing equipment, these records just couldn't have been made. I really ought to mention that these records, perhaps, are quite unique in that we have brought back sonorities that would be impossible to produce in this country. To begin with, we don't have the organs. Secondly, we don't have the buildings. And when you combine uh, the best of American recording equipment with the sonorities of these wonderful organs in these wonderful buildings of Europe, the result is really quite phenomenal. And it's simply incredible how the spaciousness, the lifelike quality of sound has come through the recording process. I think Columbia Records is to be enormously congratulated on the excellence of their recording processes. This is not the first venture by Columbia Records into the recording of historical organ sounds. For you remember that uh, about a year ago, they released a record made on the old Boston Music Hall organ, which is now in Methuen, Massachusetts. A great deal of American history is wrapped up in this organ which was brought over here a hundred years ago, and perhaps it's the most notable organ in America. On that organ, I played the Reutke organ sonata and the Fantasia and Fugue by Franz Liszt on B-A-C-H. And the interesting thing about that is that Franz Liszt was consulted a century ago in the building of this organ. Incidentally, speaking of the old Boston Music Hall organ, uh, we visited the town of Ulm in Germany, where a sister instrument to this famous old organ still exists. Two instruments were built around the same time. One went to the cathedral of Ulm, one was imported in America. And it was very interesting to hear this sister instrument and to compare the sounds. They're both magnificent. Now, of course, in these Columbia records, I think one certainly could say that the music is the first consideration. This wonderful music of Purcell to Bach, Swaling, Park Hellbell. The, the organs themselves run a close second in point of interest. But I think a third item, and a very important one, a very interesting one, would be the wonderful demonstration that these records will provide of that new high-fidelity reproducing equipment you've just acquired. They will make it resound from bottom to top of its capacity. Uh, 
the neighbours may object, but what do you mind? I, I think there's certainly an entirely new audience for organ music today, thanks to high-fidelity audio reproduction, because the organ now is recorded in its full glory, and these European instruments are, are something quite new in sonority. And the great contrapuntal literature of the organ is just the music of strength and structure that seems ideal for repeated listening. It, it's fun to go to Europe to hear these wonderful instruments of the past 500 years, but if you can't go just at present, here's a handy round-trip ticket issued by Columbia Records Travel Bureau. 